0: Hi guys, uh, Russell here. Um, so I'm going to do a presentation on why Chainos failed and also a more general sort of presentation on is the short-selling industry at large dead? Um, and to answer a second question sort of at the beginning, I think it's, it's changed. It's a different type of industry going forward and very different to the sort of short-selling that Chainos specialized in, which I, th- I think why he is... Hanging up his short-selling spurs, so to speak. Um, so let's have a look at it. You know, let's look at you know why I think that is and why I think it's changing. Um, now, for me, I personally have always marvelled at the ability of free markets to mete out justice. Uh, uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, one day you have someone who's like worth a million billion bucks, and then within a, a short period of time, the market decided they're worthless. Um, You know, I saw that numerous times growing up. Japanese property bubble when I was just 17. Uh, I was in Hong Kong in 98 during the Asian financial crisis. My first job out of university in 2000 was at UBS. You know, in six months after I joined, half of the uh, floor I was on was gone. Um, And that period as well, I had a friend uh, who was working at Enron. He got a graduate job at Enron. And you know, when I, when I met them, uh, I was like, wow, it must be amazing to work at such a great company. And what I've put in here is you know, the first part of an article in The, in the Economist about, the, about Enron, which was as late as June 2000, so well after the dot-com bust had begun, um, still talking glowingly about Enron and what he had done. Of course, a year later, after that, everything had changed, and Enron had gone into an absolute collapse um, you know, asking her, you know, did you see any red flags or do you know? And all she said to me is that the area she worked in never made any money, but they just assumed someone was making money somewhere. And even now, you get the financials up on uh, Bloomberg and the sort of other than the incredibly quick rap, uh, revenue growth from 96 to 2000, nothing else really stands out. Uh, and to be, for those of you not familiar with Enron, all that stuff was off balance sheet. Um, but if you knew where to look, you knew it was pretty bad. Uh, and look, has got that 100% correct. And, you know, the short Enron trade really helped him build his profile and, and his career and business on the back of that. And, and, you know, kudos to him. But as as came out last week, uh, his business, Kinecos Associates, is shutting down, uh, and Chanos is sort of holding up his, is, is hanging up his short-selling shooters. Um... You know and there are two reasons for that in fund management there's only really two different aspects to fund management making money and raising money um so we'll talk about the first one making money now as someone who's done short selling a lot when you short sell right uh what you really want to see is bankruptcy uh like a bear market you know uh, a company falling 20 30 percent it sounds like a big deal but within the sort of short selling environment it's not really it's very hard to make any real money from that what you want to see is bankruptcy bankruptcy you want to see the equity holders wiped out um, and when you find a bankruptcy or a company that's going into bankruptcy uh, the shorts can be super profitable and you very run very little risk of short selling squeezers like we saw with like gme or amc just a few years ago um, um, and so you know that's really what you want to see um and so what we can do is we can get like you know chapter eleven filings, which is bankruptcy. And what you can see is you know they spiked, you know, during the dot com uh bus, they spiked during the GFC. Uh but post GFC they've been very, very low to stable. Um what you can also see is generally bankruptcies move with initial jobless claims uh in the States, which makes total sense to me. And so we can sort of see that when initial jobless claims go up, uh uh, bankruptcies will tend to rise as well. And what we can see is initial jobless claims being at very low levels for a very long time now. In fact, you know, 10 years ago in 2013, you could have looked at initial jobless claims and said, okay, now's a good time to short. We're at sort of very low levels, and you would have been wrong, been wrong for 10 years. Uh, so the last 10 years has been very bad for short sellers in the States in particular. Uh, and that sort of creates a problem for demand for short selling. So, you know, even though there's been stocks that have gone down a lot, you know, you can look at what ARK holds, there's been a, you know, they've fallen significantly. Uh, what we've seen is large cap stocks have held up really well, very different to GFC and to the dot-com bust. Uh, and so it's been possible for allocators to do quite well by being aggressive, just by being in large cap tech stocks in particular. Uh, and so that really destroys the demand for the short-selling industry. Uh, so when the large caps fall, uh, like owning the S&P uh, costs you money, for example, capital will naturally move to sort of more cautious uh, allocators and investors, uh, and, or even you know, fund-to-fund investors, and that naturally creates demand for short-sellers. So with large caps uh, and large-cap tech in particular doing so well, it's going to create a very difficult fundraising environment for short-selling sort of defensive strategies. So not only is it hard to make money, it's also almost impossible to raise money. Um, and so, you know, in that type of environment, it's very easy to understand uh, why, uh, why why Channels is hanging up his, his short-selling uh, shooters, if that makes sense. So why is it changed? What's going on? What, what is changing in the world to make it so difficult for Channels to make money? And, you know, does that mean, uh, you know, short-selling is dead? So first of all, we, we got, do have to bear in mind. You know, the good news is that the uh, the Fed fund rate now is well above the S and P dividend yield, so shorting U S stocks actually has a positive carry now uh, for the first time in in fifteen years. Right, so that is good news, right? Okay, so you know we need to bear that in mind. Um, you know the question here would be, well, why is this not causing bankruptcy? Why is this not causing the equity markets to be weaker? Okay. And here I think is where it becomes a sort of political question. So to sort of understand where we've been for the last 40 years, you've got to understand where we're coming from. So, you know, out out of World War II in the sort of 50s through the 80s, uh, government policy was focused on full employment and raising wages. And so what we had then was really a a cost-push inflation. So I've tried to show this in a way that makes more sense so uh, and with consistent data so what we've got here is food at home and food away from home both cpi indexes And what you can see food away from home so what you pay at a restaurant compared to what you pay for groceries in the states uh you send tend to see food restaurant prices going up all the time but then you can have big increases in grocery prices and what you saw in the states was that you know when there was a shock like a inflation shock particularly for food or whatever the gap between food away from home and food at home would narrow, which would be narrowing profit margins. And this is what they call a cost push. So the costs were being pushed up, wages were being pushed up, commodity prices being pushed up. And this was very bad for profits. So even though there was raging inflation in the States in the 70s, the stock market was very poor because profits were being crushed, okay, because there was this cost push analysis uh, aspect to it. And then from 1980s onwards we saw a real change in government policy. And essentially voters and and subsequently governments said that, okay, we're going to accept higher unemployment, we're going to accept bankruptcy, and this is a price we pay to get lower inflation and lower interest rates. Uh, And when you go back and look at, you know, uh, and you can definitely see that that worked. Um, And so when we then look at what the sort of so what that means for like guys like Chainos or Paulson or Buckberry, Bar- all big short sellers who've done very well, is that actually they were part of a system. It's always easy to think of these guys as outsiders, telling, speaking truth to power, but actually power wanted them to do what they were doing. They're actually in part of the institutional system, just a very exotic and slightly different part, but certainly a part of it. Um. And so you, you got to sort of think with these guys, short-sellers, they're actually part of the system. They're doing what the system wants to do. So they're, they're actually working with the grain, not against it. Um, and, you know, what that meant is, you know, and in this era what you can see, and here again you use CPI for food at home, CPI food away from home, and you can see in the 80s the gap between those two grew bigger and bigger. So what I would say is that from the 1980s onwards, we almost became like a profit-driven inflation. So any inflation was driven by corporates raising prices and keeping costs low and they were desperate to try and grow those. And, and one of the reasons that profit margins have been so high recently is that they've achieved that. They've kept cost, wages and other things low while being able to raise prices quite uh, regularly. What we can see in like 2022 is suddenly we had some cost-push inflation again seems to be tapering off at the moment. But that created that, you know, pressure on profits, which we saw, you know, a bear market. And again, now we're getting profits returning and we're getting markets returning back to where they were. You know, what that means is, and what I'm trying to say is that we won't really gain the bankruptcy. We're not in that bankruptcy era that suits short selling, and short particularly guys like Chainos or Paulson or Barry. We're now in this sort of... Uh, environment where growth is going to be good, wages is going to be good, it's a question of, of what the profit cycle is going to do. So you're not going to get, in my view, the type of zeros, collapses that we saw through the various different economic crises. For me, I think we are moving back to 50s and 60s policies. And so that is why I think the 10-year yield continues to be bear- bearish, even as sort of CPI is trending higher. To me, if you look at what happened through the 60s and 70s, and look look what's happened over the last three or four years, they look very similar while from 1980 for through twenty twenty was definitely a different era, a deflationary uh era where they, they and the worker take all the adjustment so governments now are looking to uh, reduce the power of markets to keep wages low, which is naturally inflationary, things like tariffs, capital controls, all sorts of issues um you know and you know so they'd be looking to see raise minimum wages. I suspect progressive taxation is going to come in, trust bust in, and higher interest rates as well, sort of reduce demand. are all parts of this mix to try and reduce top line inflation, so IE, but keeping wages rising. So it should be very negative for profits like we saw of so 2022. Um, so obvious areas we can, we can look for shorts in that sort of area are utilities, where governments have direct control over pricing. REITs could be another where rent control could also be used to control uh, pricing, but you know, coming back to Chinos, you know, the shorting utilities and REITs relative to showing Enron is not very exciting. It's pretty boring, to be honest. Um, so you know, just to sort of come back to the original topic of Chainos, So why did Chainos fail? So governments, for me, have moved away from bankruptcy and deflationary policies. They don't accept it anymore, and. W- what you got to remember is like the 1980s through the so 2015, 2016 was endless economic crises. Uh, you had the Mexican devaluation of '82. I think you had another one, a whole bunch of them in that, that time in the '80s. The 1991 savings and loan crisis in the U.S. 1993 onwards with the Japan crisis. '98 was the Asian financial crisis. '99 was the Argentinian devaluation crisis. 2000 was the dot com crisis. 2007 was the GFC, 2011 was the Euro crisis, and then we had a sort of mild emerging market crisis in 2015. What I'm trying to say is crisis was policy from the 80s through the 2020, which really suited uh, channel style short, short selling. Uh, so without that, it's largely pointless. But does that make all short selling pointless? No, it just means we go back to sort of uh, 70s style short selling, which is where you can generate the cash return uh, of putting money in the Fed funds rate, for example, but then also generating some cash returns from being short areas that suffer from government policy if you can identify them in advance. Um, for me, I think that could be attractive. Uh, but for for Chainos, someone who got Enron right, that's probably pretty unattractive in my view. And he's older, uh, older than me anyway. I'm old. He's older than me. You know, does he really want to do that? Probably not. I think that's what the story is here. All right. I hope that made sense. I hope it was interesting. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.